Hey boys, welcome to Mass Games. My name is Simon. I'm doing a podcast here, but it turns out it's going to be more of a video. So this is basically going to be another video episode of me talking to someone over in Toronto, I believe, and someone I've been conversing with a few times over on Board Game Geek, and I think by Gmail now and again. So over to you, Chris. Please introduce yourself. Hi there. I'm uh, Chris Cormier. I am a board gamer, obviously. I uh, have a board game t-shirt, merchandise, um, gifts and, and goodies uh, website and store where I design t-shirts and a whole host of other projects uh, from mugs to posters to uh, clocks and shower curtains and mice pads and all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's on my website at geekygoodies.com. Um, Geeky Goodies is the company. Uh, I'm quite active on social media. I um, facilitate, facilitate is probably the good word, um, conversations with board gamers online every Monday with a hashtag called uh, hashtag what did you play Mondays? Where I encourage people to talk about what they what games they've been playing and post about them on social media, so that we can create more awareness of board gaming and how fun it is and and get people interested. Um, and yes, you were right. I'm in Toronto. Uh, well, I'm. Not, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. I'm not in Toronto. <laughs> I've been in Toronto most of my life, and we moved to a small town about an hour north of Toronto. Uh, so I still tell people that I live in Toronto because. Most people have not heard of the small town that I'm from, which is Bob Cajun, Bob Cajun, Ontario. Like I said, it's about an hour north of Toronto um, and uh, love it. Very small town and uh, miss Toronto, miss all the excitement and the action and our friends and family still live there. And we're back quite often, but um, like in the small town life as well. Cool. Well, I need to think about a shower curtain, although I've been loving using a shower screen the last few years. So whether or not I need to get a print on that. Uh, and I do know someone seven hours north of you in Cochrane, I believe, uh, okay. where I met this firefighter on holiday in uh, Antigua. And uh, yeah, he, he drank a lot in the mornings and the evenings. And I asked him about that and he went, oh, well, I hydrate first thing and last thing. So anyway, <laughs> he can do what he can do. And that works. Uh, speaking of T-shirts, I'm not wearing my New Kingdom Gaming uh, Amass Game stuff. That's in the wash because I'm back from Spiel Essen. Spoke about Chris a little before this show because we're initially going to do it as a podcast. We've ended up switching back to uh, a tried and tested format, I guess we can say, which is on screen. This time I'm not standing up after a week of running around Essen. And yes, everyone did say, <laughs> sorry, I would have spoken to you, Simon, but you were just running everywhere. And that's what people often say at many of these shows because uh, I'm running all over the place when I catch stuff. Uh, if you heard my recent podcast, you know that there's about 89 places I visited and I still missed off about 30 odd. And I'm like, oh, blast, I was going to pick up that game, etc. So, wow. yeah, I know that Chris is talking about Halloween stuff on his podcast every month or so. There's about 24 episodes and also the Christmas stuff. And I said you get bored with or, you know, running out of ideas. And he hasn't, which is quite cool. <laughs> uh, I know Chris hasn't reached like Gen Con Origins and stuff like that. There's a place in Toronto which has about 1,000 people attending. Uh, my event is in a week's time at Hexacon at time of recording. Uh, so that's going to be quite cool. There's a guy from Shut Up, Sit Down who might be attending. Some part, somebody thinks he might have family nearby. So, yeah, about a sixth of the collection behind me presently. Uh, that is before more games arrive tomorrow because Amass Games have got 
a whole bunch of stuff due, which is the whole car load and a big car as well from someone who's bringing some extra stuff for me from Spiel Lesson. And I'm the, one of the only people who call it Spiel Lesson because since they got bought out, um, everyone calls it Essen. I did too. Everyone calls it Spiel sometimes. But since they got bought out, there's obviously many Spiels now. So you obviously say the name of the event and then obviously the subsidiary i.e the location but chris uh, again we haven't spoken before an hour ago so yeah. do you have a favorite game or anything like that anything we can go oh that's interesting wow you ask me tomorrow i'll probably give you a different answer that's fine Say <laughs> one of my favorite games definitely is, it's been on in the top couple for a while it's still viticulture i uh, by stonemeyer games I, I still love that game. It's, you know, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it's a winemaking game where you follow the different seasons. And over the course of several years, you're bringing in guests and having wine tasting and you're fulfilling wine orders and you're, you know, planting uh, vines and, and harvesting the grapes and, and putting them on crush pads and converting them into different kinds of wines. It's a fantastic game. Absolutely love playing it haven't played it nearly enough in my opinion but that's why it's one of my favorite i guess if i had to pick another one the one that's sort of been on my favorites list for a very long time is actually alumbra um oh, okay. we have the the big box of alumbra yeah and it's got i don't know even know how many 20 or 30 or something like that expansions in it um and uh we never get bored of that one we play it a lot, and uh, I play it on my phone sometimes, oh. although it doesn't have nearly as many expansions on my phone. <laughs> and uh, there's still expansions in the box that we haven't played. So, Yeah, so uh, Alhambra, I've been there. Think? I've been to about 227 places named, well, board games that are named after those places. Uh, obviously, oh, cool. Criticulture, obviously Tuscany. It's in the northwestern part of Italy. I've only been to Italy about five times. But um, obviously, I'm guessing we're talking about the Essential Edition of uh, Stone Meyer Games with Jamie Stegmeier's Viticulture. Uh, uh, I will only play that though with visitors from the Wine Valley sort of mini expansion or expansion where you change out the cards because you said about making wine I've won the game numerous times never making any wine whatsoever and it's that kind of a game and you're just pushing your luck almost trying to get those Sauvignon Blanc grapes etc and it's a bit yeah, that, that's the issue I felt and as a five we're talking including set up and teach and pack down with new players it's about literally I've pretty accurate it's 3 hours 25 3 hours 30 which uh it's for me yeah you're into you know some fairly vintage wines at that point that have aged quite well so <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but queen games obviously from alhambra as well um i don't know if that one the spiel des jahres from memory i can't recall if it actually did but it's definitely out sure. there as a kind of classic euro from you know, yeah. about 20 odd years ago uh is there anything you've played recently though uh what have i played recently that i loved i played the Living Forest. Oh yeah, not too long ago, and and bought it because I loved it so much. Yep. Um, it's sort of a deck building, um, <laughs> with sort of a tableau build, you know, in there as yep. well. It's very very good. Have you played it? I have. Yes, I've only played it on yeah. Board Game Arena, but okay. having heard about it recently, I might definitely want to try out that and the expansion. I've heard of kind of improve it quite significantly, and I know it on the Spiel des Jahres. I think Kenner Spiel. Of all things, I think it did, yeah. which uh, yeah. threw me quite, quite surprisingly. I've been fairly accurate in guessing. Well, at least seven years in a row, I guessed this game. I reckon wow. will be nominated and then actually ended up winning. Starting with I think King Domino up to uh, Quacks and games since then. But one thing that threw me, funny enough, was a Stonemaier game, which was Wingspan, 
when I did not mm. think that would win and it did win and there's a few others since then as well I didn't anticipate them winning too but uh, Micro Macro that's another one I really thought you know this is amazing I think straight away bam and of course it got nominated um, yeah. any games you're looking to try playing hmm um, there's a long list I don't nothing really kind of stands out um as like oh geez i gotta play that right at this moment but i have one of those brains that if i don't write it down it's kind of lost yeah so i'd have to consult my you know want to play list on bgg and and check that out um i'm down to play anything so you know if i haven't played it before i'll play it whether it's you know 20 years old or two weeks old um but yeah i don't have really a, a that's pretty impressive though you spotting the the Spiel de Jar winners and beforehand. That's very good. I, I'm I just sure felt, that. I mean, uh, it's a German panel. I'm not, so I'm, I'm not German myself, uh, but uh, I know that the four characters, the four things that they need for criteria are easy to teach, easy to learn, uh, family accessible. And I think generally right. speaking these days, 20 to 60 minutes. Um, so this is before I knew all of that. I just felt like, wow, this is an amazing game. I think it should be nominated. Like say, Codenames, uh, King Domino, Azul, Quacks Quidlinburg. Now these just happen to be maybe whatever people think too. I just felt like this would be nominated. But again, that that was a few years ago now. In the last three years, I've been a bit off with my predictions. Uh, yeah. And there's a few games I really thought they should be nominated but weren't. I can't recall the one at the top of my head. But, oh, I know, uh, The Quest for Eldorado. I thought that should have been nominated. Oh, or at yes. least to be shortlisted. But it's now rated as his best game. And yet, the German public, you know, and I met Rainer Knizia on Saturday, got a coin from him. Yeah, I got a coin stamped with him because it was one of my quests this year. Didn't see him last year, so one of my quests, having met Stefan Feld last year, is to meet him. So that, that's really good to do. Um, and generally speaking, like with the game coming back to wine, with a Spiel des Jahres nomination or award, like I remember uh, The Legends of Andor in 2012 yeah. when it came out in German, I thought, let's play this. We played it in German. Uh, because I just felt like that's a good pedigree of something that's good. I know you do get an extra 1.3 million copies sold potentially from obviously such an award badge. Initially, yeah. I didn't realize it was like a pawn from Pandemic that make up the Laurel Leafs, even though it came out in 1979, the award. Um, but no, I am yeah, very much, you know, it's for me, it's typically if you play one of those games, you know what you're going to get into and you know what you're going to like. And you might like heavier games like Viticulture. You know, I do like my heavier games. I'm generally speaking, are games which I'll give on average rating a 7.5 or an 8, uh, which is a lot higher than my average, which is 6.34. Um, but just to let you know, everybody, uh, Chris and I did not speak too much in advance. We did chat just to get some uh, audio working. But again, these questions, you might say, whoa, Chris isn't ready for these questions. And that's because I just, <laughs> that's I just wanted to be really open. I just wanted to be, you know, I actually said earlier, I said the first few minutes we were chatting, you know, obviously weren't recording. And it's amazing how much, you know, sometimes that can be the best bit. And Chris agrees. And it's like, oh, it's, why aren't yeah. we recording this? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So as for, I, 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 who knows what's going to be uh, the biggest stuff for next year? Because any games that have just been released, those are key. I think Far Away. Have you heard of Far Away? I have. Yeah, I've not played it. I, I, I can't quite picture the box at the moment. But I definitely heard of it. That's what your prediction is for this one? Uh, not, not prediction, but I, it was my game of the show. And it was, um, well, it was the game of that weekend, even though technically I didn't play at Essen. It did sell out. I was very lucky mm. that I was an event over in Bochum, which is a 30-minute drive from Essen, where I was invited to. And other people playing Evenfall. And I could have played it. It was their first game. And this guy who's a designer called Andy Couch, who designed Seize the Bean, 
uh, he said, oh, well, I've got this game in here and it has an awful kind of cover art in a way. It's very odd. But I so said, I'll give it a go and ended up playing it seven times in a row and I managed to get a demo copy. So I got a rare demo Ooh. copy because the new editions are in red only. And I can never predict who watches what to my channel. Uh, me opening a pack of card sleeves got like 8,000 views and I didn't even sleeve anything. But wow. uh, I know. And then one person commented at one point, you had one job to do. Anyway, Far Away has had like 800 views in the, last, in the first two days. And I deliberately held back on even releasing the video. So that, yeah, that's doing really well. And it's basically wow. like for sale. Uh, so for those who aren't aware, you play out eight cards, you've got three in your hand, you play a higher or low card, it's up to you. If you play a higher card, then you're later to pick one of the three available cards that you can then use in your hand for your next turn. The reason for playing a lower card is if your next card is higher than that, then you get a bonus card. And the bonus card might mean you get an extra symbol. Symbols are useful to completing uh, set collection for missions. Maybe they give different colors, and different colors can help you complete stuff. Again, check out my video. It's, uh, I'm only one who's done something in English at this point. Uh, but also, uh, what's hmm. interesting is you can collect scrolls, and the more scrolls you have in your tableau, so again, it's only eight cards. It's basically, someone thematically is someone's walking left to right, and they're going across stuff, and they're seeing like an animal or a plant or a stone. But if you see a plant, or if you see a quest, and he goes, hey, I need 10 points. To get 10 points, I need to see two animals and a plant. Your next cards along to the right have to have a total of two animals and a plant, for example. It doesn't matter where they are or in your special bonus cards. So you're walking along, and go, well, I need to get that, I need to get that, and I need to now play a lower card to get what I need. The downside is if I play a higher card, you can get one of these bonus cards. I always like going for the bonus cards because they're freebies. But I never win with these bonus cards. So actually, it's really clever how it's... It's like Seven Wonders. Now, right. Normally in a game... Oh, straight up victory points. Oh, no, no, no. Don't go for that strategy. But in Seven Wonders, going for those blue leader cards, brilliantly weighted. Have you ever noticed that in, in Seven Wonders, that just going for those leader cards, you can win? I've seen lots of people win that way. Oh, you know, I haven't really noticed that. I've played Seven Wonders quite a bit, but I don't know. I It, it never really caught on with me. I think I was always just kind of playing it because other people liked it a lot more than I did. But I, I, you know, I admire the game for what it is and I know it's extremely popular, but for me, it just never caught fire. I, I kept playing it kind of hoping I would love it more. <laughs> you know, I'm going to play it one more time see if I really like it as much as everyone else seemed to like it. At the game. It's, I agree. I never bought a copy. It was like a bit, it, I didn't like it initially. I found it too complicated. And yet, hmm. it took almost an hour to play it the first time. And it, I felt like bizarrely I won, but only because the person on the left and the right were helping me. I think we played as a seven. But uh, hmm. I've since met the designer, Anton Bowser, and I've played it seven times in a row. I've played another game seven times in a row. I've played it in eight minutes as well. So, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Eight minutes. Uh, as all, I've played in nine minutes 44. So that's my fault. Wow. Result. So yeah, like sometimes a bit of sploop, uh, Ticket to Ride New York in 80 seconds. So I need to get some oh videos made for this. But sometimes we play things fast. Um, but yeah, so that was really good. But the game of the year, which was also at the show, but I played it back in June at uh, kind of the European Gathering of Friends, was called Mimic Octopus Cringe, Cringe Edition, which is a game for, I think, four to eight players. And what it's about is uh, you can shuffle up some cards, draw a card each, and some of those cards potentially means that you could have the same card as someone else. And you're not going to start talking. And you're trying to find someone else who has a similar or the same, basically, personality as you. And if you do, you're eventually going to go one, two, three, and point. And you're going to try and point at somebody else who's on the same team as you. However, you might be the only one. 
in which case when you say one two three you're going to hold up a fist to say nope I, I knew I was alone but you might want to try and mimic someone and you can get more points that way if someone points at you and of course they don't get any points because they point at the wrong person and the final mm. option is you can put your hands up and go hey and that basically means from memory uh, I'm going to say safe I'm just going to claim one point I think it's the inverse between that and that but extremely funny game really clever there's three Ooh. editions it, it's called Mimic Octopus and there's three editions Mimic Octopus, it's okay. Mimic Octopus. so there's three editions there's original there's Flirt and there's Cringe Cringe is definitely the best uh, myself and others agree with that um, yeah highly recommend it it's 8 out of 7 mm. okay, so 8.7 for me uh, which is definitely my top 50 now of 2400 plays um, different games so yeah very recommend, recommend that is there any game that gone and got you into board gaming though uh there's some debate my my wife and i uh were introduced to board gaming uh i think it's in the late 90s early 2000s cool. and um between the two of us i thought it was downfall the downfall of pompeii okay and she says it was ticket to ride so it's one of those two and also in there was the battlestar galactica board game this other couple and i uh were big fan we were all big fans of the show and they told us oh there's this game you got to play with us da, 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 da. and when that's one of the first couple modern board games that you play we you know it's it's a big game like it's you know I, yeah you're talking about i don't think there's it's possible to play like a a 30 minute version of Battlestar Galactica. No. I don't think we've played it in less than four hours. Or yeah, four and six hours, or so. Plus. And that's with everybody knowing it too. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was great. I loved it, obviously. I'm, I've been in the hobby ever since and been buying games and collecting and and uh, all of that. So, but yeah, I'm, my wife and I don't, you know, I didn't keep track of what games I played back then. But uh, my wife and I disagree on what was the first game. Okay, well, so Ticket to Ride will be 2004. Uh, I can't recall um, when he said Downfall of Pompeii. I thought you were going to say Downfall by Wolfgang Kramer then. So that's a, mm. that's a different game. But no, yeah. yeah, so Ticket to Ride, obviously, coming up to 20th anniversary uh, next year, in fact. So who knows? Of course, you've got Ticket to Ride Legacy, which uh, is apparently extremely good. So yeah, that sounds mm. very exciting. But, yeah, I've heard that's very good. Yeah, there's a friend of mine who's got all the tickets rides, and supposedly I'm like locked into being promised to be playing with him, which would be good. Uh, and I, I mean, Matt Leacock would be one or two people, along with Alan Armoon, who are hopefully to meet next year if they both happen to be at Spiel Lesson. I know that Matt was there, but he clashed when I was due to see some other things, and regrettably, I think on the Sunday I could have seen him, but. There is a brewery, a game brewer, who have some beer there, and I was kindly offered a couple of beers. And these are Belgian beers, so they were not uh, on, the, on the lower end of the scale of strength. And <laughs> me going around other halls after that would not be advisable when I already had a lot of games to carry. And then seeing if he's in a queue and probably if he if I spell my breath at that point, uh, I don't think that would be wise. But um, yeah, big fan of Ticket to Ride. Definitely agree with, obviously, uh, that choice. I don't know if you knew, actually, obviously, I'm from England. He was from England. He was here until the age of six and then moved to Niagara Falls and obviously did the gathering of friends. So, uh, yeah, he's obviously... Uh, I did not know that, no. Yeah, so... Yeah. But, yeah, obviously, I've played his prior games, uh, Elfin Roads and Elfin Lands, which were also mm -hmm. Spielders Yaras nominated. I think one of them won it as well. I definitely used to own okay. one of them. 
Um, and of course, one of them is also on board Game Arena now, alongside obviously Ticket to Ride, which again, we know is sold for 40 plus million copies and is, is also on there. Yeah. Do you have a favorite version of Ticket to Ride? Um, I think it's probably the one that I purchased most recently, which was several years ago, I guess, whenever it came out. But it's the, is it Rails and Boats? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, we, we've kind of moved on. Like, I, I love Ticket to Ride, and I have, I don't know, three or four copies of, of different versions of it. But uh, we, we don't play them very much anymore. When we first got into gaming, we must have played Ticket to Ride over 100 times before I started sort of keeping track of my plays and what games I play. But, um, but yeah, I, I you know. The ones that got tracked, you know, when, when I started doing that, I think it's probably I'd only had about 50. Um, so I think I missed like the first 100 plays of, of Ticket to Ride and Puerto Rico and, and those kinds of games, Catan and, and all yeah. those early starter games. Um, but um, yeah, no, I think that would be it. Um, so why don't you tell me? Can you do you mind uh, on your podcast if you, if you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. But where sure. where are you? Where are you located? So I, I'm in a room. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so I'm a so I so I started. Yeah, it's handy to put that in perspective and appreciate that, especially because you may well be sharing this. So I uh, well the podcast started uh, way after the YouTube stuff and everything like that. So my wife's German, so when I go to Germany uh, every other year, including this year, which I'm very excited about, they love playing games. I'm, I'm so excited that I'm playing 15 or 16 hours a day with them. It's brilliant. They also That's speak uh, Pladdeutsch, which is old German, which is even their neighbours of 27 years don't understand them. So to play board games with them is just a great harmony between that two as a balance. So I've got wow. like Meadow, the German edition over there, and Chronicles of Avalon in German and stuff. And Joanna said, oh, sorry, uh, we didn't have the English version. So I spoke to her this year at Rebel, but now they haven't got an English left or whatever, which is a shame. So, um, yeah, I've been arranging stuff at pubs as well uh, for a number of years. And I went from every other week to every week to every day at different pubs. Uh, then Asmodee saw me do that and said, hey, do stuff at conventions. So I did for them. Lots of publishers saw what I did. And they said, oh, yeah, do Instagram, do YouTube. And for four years, I was like, nope. And then I sent about 60 games in one day. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a go. And now, yeah, I've just been doing daily videos for the last five years. Uh, Instagram, wow. over 3,200 posts. The podcast, again, having been nagged about other stuff, I thought, all right, let's try the podcast out. Another way of just chatting. Obviously, there's yep. a Facebook group. Uh, there's this convention. Uh, there's TikTok, X. Uh, and there's some other bits and bobs, too. So, yeah, I love playing games, as you could probably imagine. Uh, people I know I'm the board game guy and kind of won't show up about it. Um, but yeah, obviously some people say in you know, an encyclopedic knowledge, but yeah, it's, I find it very fascinating and it's nice to chat with people about it. Um, my pulse rate lowers. I went, to, I met someone actually off Board Game Geek at their house uh, a few, well, beginning of the year. And obviously a new place, you'd think, you know, my heart rate would be racing, playing one of their games, which I've never played before even heard of and no i uh, not only did I actually win the game by accident i think but my pulse rate was 43 so obviously really wow. chilled out and i cycled over like, two hours in fact because i came from my parents house to go there so yeah no you know it's, it's a good thing i look at screens all day or used to for like, my day job so given the chance you know a bit of cardboard occasionally a bit of chatter it doesn't have to be much chatter it depends on the game but no it's you know i enjoy it and you know there's immersion going on there it's nice to have a hobby that um 
it's fairly healthy. You know, I deliberately try and like, I weigh all my board games in the videos when I unbox them because I like to cycle. So I know I live on a hill. Uh, so basically I, and that was on purpose because of climate change. So okay. I, I wanted to think about, um, not the hill wasn't from climate change. That was from ge <laughs> no. geological forces, I'm going Hopefully. to say. I think they sit on a load of radon. So I don't know how much cardboard does for that. Um, and yeah, and uh, you know, from a podcast perspective, uh, it's just interesting to have another medium because if I'm driving or something, I listen to two podcasts already today. It's interesting to hear about you know other stuff. Of course, as with YouTube and everything else, the downside is you catch stuff and go, I want to play that now. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that is the, the issue. So I did open some new games today. Again, by the time this goes out, they may have already been gone out too, but Atlantis Rising 2nd Edition. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. I've never played it. But yeah, I know um, Z Garcia, who I played with actually last week at Spiel Lesson as well. We played Jin no. by Benjamin Schwer. Have you heard of Hall Games or uh, Crown of Amara? No, I don't know that. Um, I don't know if he did Bricks. He's, he's made about four games, four or five games. I really like the design of Hadara he did as well. Which, okay, I know um, Hadara, yeah. Have, have you played it? I know I've only played it online, but he likes it. No, most. I've not. I've not, but I think I've seen it. Is it, is it on Board Game Arena that I've it seen is. it? It is. So I have played yeah. it on there. It didn't click too well. I watched the game like video, which is good, but most didn't... games I prefer to play in person. I just feel that yeah. Viticulture, funny enough, I think I don't mind snapping through that online just because some mm. things automate it nicely. Um, doesn't mean I'd then, if I owned the game, I'd sell it, but there's definitely some games I do. I mean, that's far away. You can play online now as well, but it misses a little something because especially when you play a card, it's different with that game, but when you play a card in general, you know, it's in the discard pile or whatever, but your mind knows it's there. You don't have to display the cards, but when it's digital, right. I think your mind doesn't make that association as strongly. And that's why with some games, it's a shame. Equally with games like chess, someone suddenly goes, and a piece has moved. You know, I think it's nice to kind of see the eyes of the opponent and seeing, you know, they want to touch that piece and they want to do that. <laughs> and that's, there's a huge amount, I think, of that, you know, because it really helps you think differently. Um, yeah. But I played Undaunted Stalingrad yesterday on Mission 13. If, have you come across that deck building game? I have not played it, but I've talked to a couple of people who have, and I hear it's quite good. Yeah, so it's it's definitely grown on me hugely, although equally my first game, I was really annoyed by the luck of the dice. Now, I got very lucky with my dice yesterday, so I was having a, having a good game. And the key part of it is your dice will improve in terms of the chance of getting a hit as you move closer to your opponents. The downside is they can then take the risk, and depending on how much defense you've got and based on the tile that you land on, if they then roll their dice, then they've got an early chance potentially, potentially of hitting you. Again, you're taking an initiative to say who goes first. So you're playing an earlier card or a, a weaker card, which means you're going to go later, typically, or a higher value card, which means if you play that for initiative, of course, you're not playing it in your hand. I'll do another video for this because it's a quite hard game to articulate, but it isn't difficult. The crucial thing is, though, do you want to go first or second? Now, if I attack you and I win, you need to lose a card from your hand. And if that card is the troop that you're about to hit me with, then you've no, no longer got it. But there's like 10 different cards. You start with riflemen and scouts and uh, gunners, maybe. The fact is, mm. if they're not in your deck and you only got four cards in your hand, one for your initiative, got three cards left, I don't know what you've got in your hand. So I, I might not be attacking you to get rid of the card, but I might be attacking you because the objective might be to lose all your riflemen or your scouts. Uh, just so that you know, why do you need riflemen? You need to control locations. 
So most of the objectives or missions are around trying to control locations. Whereas in scouts, they help you to move. So you can't move to a different tile unless your scout has moved there first and has been scouted. Um, hard to articulate maybe until you see the, the, the board, but, th but think Memoir sure. 44. Think, you know, it's, yep. it's a modular board. You cannot move to a different space unless you've been there. So every character has a different ability. Um, and that's it. It's a deck building game. So obviously you get more cards, you get more scouts, which means you're more likely to have a scout card come up, which means when you play them out, you can now see more of the board. Once you see more of the board, it now means your other guys can now go into those spaces. If you think about games like Command and Conquer, that kind of stuff. It's right. really cool. And I met one of the designers, uh, Trevor Benjamin. Mm -hmm. So Trevor Benjamin was behind Mandala as well. If okay. So I met uh, Brett J. Gilbert, who's the other half of uh, that design team. Have you heard of um, Elysium or Roll for Adventure? Oh, yeah. Costa Rica? So I've known this designer. He did Elysium by himself. Most of the time yeah. he collaborates. But Elysium, he was nominated for Spielder's Yards. So that's like his big, well-known game. And yeah. I was gaming, uh, so obviously gaming at pubs, and then through someone there, they asked for a lift. And then they said, oh, um, I'm going to this event at this uh, business park. Could I get a lift back? And you can come along and have free pizza and stuff. I went, sure. And through that, I met some people who uh, attended this event. And through that event at this business park, it's a, it's a cyber kind of business park, one of them said, oh, we're doing another event in two weeks. Now, this person doesn't work at this venue. Uh, he just knows a friend who used to work there. <laughs> so already mm. I'm uh, quite far removed from uh, the, the organiser, but I've got well with him, luckily. And he said, oh, yeah, we're doing another event the second Thursday of the month. And it turned out the guy who runs the fourth Thursday a Business Park event, I'm trying to not name the company, uh, they, he actually used to work with this woman who runs the second Tuesday one. So... When I joined the second Tuesday one, again, I didn't know who this woman was. I turned up and went, oh, hello, you must be this person. And I went, oh, yes, hello, and got really well. Um, plus, uh, someone who works there knows someone who works at the Thursday one. So, what I'm trying to get okay. at is, uh, one time, there's a chap who turned up with a prototype for a game. And I was like, oh, yeah, do you want to try playing this game? And I went, yeah, sure. And I said, my name's um, Brett. And I know uh, there's the woman who runs it. And I know her last name's Gilbert. So I said, oh, you're Brett. Brett Gilbert. Brett J. Gilbert. You're the Brett J. Gilbert. And I went, oh, yeah. So I went to shake his hand. And, you know, I've known him, known him ever since. And through him, I've met some other great designers, such as Dave Neal, who's done The Animals of Baker Street, which I've done a video for and actually got a physical copy of um, coming tomorrow. Uh, other designers, such as Matthew Dunstan, who's done loads of stuff in the uh, Adventure Game series. And um, yeah, other fantastic designs. Um, the Guild of Merchant Explorers by AG and a few others. Mm. Um, they're really good designers. I've got a playlist you can check on my YouTube channel. So I recommend you check that out, uh, I think, for both of them. But also, um, I've met a few other designs, which is really cool. Just uh, Rory, Rory Muldoon, I think he is. So these are the big, uh, the Brit wave, I guess you can say, of designers because they all live around Cambridge. You know, obviously, Cambridge University is now the fifth best in the world, apparently. Uh, Oxford mm. being number one, but Oxford is more for the scholars. Uh, I think more of the, uh, the STEM subjects for Cambridge. So, okay. yeah, it's just fantastic to meet these designers because, um, again, coming back to wine, you know, I think if you know your wine comes from a certain region, you're not going to get equally with a designer. Generally speaking, you might not be going to get like an Alexander Pfister game. Uh, right. You might get some uh, mismatches, as I find. So speaking of designers, do you have any designers that you really like or would like to play more of or are on your radar, that kind of stuff? 
Um, well, you, you mentioned that you met Canizia and I think Canizia was really, he was probably one of the first designers that I was like, oh, I love this game. I love the other game that he designed. I would love to meet Canizia. That's would be my number one reason for heading over to uh, Essen because I would love to meet him at some point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd, I have quite a few that I like. I like a lot of Feld's games. I like uh, Canizia. I like, uh, I tend to like lighter games. Okay. Like I, I'm not like a really heavy, you know, four hour gamer. I, I prefer games that are sort of an hour to an hour and a half. Uh -huh. um, and that are, you know, relatively easy to learn and, and play kind of quickly. Um but yeah, that's what stands out to me. You talked about different designers. In Toronto, there's a huge community of, of game designers that is really, really active and tight-knit. And uh, you'll see them at like different playtest events at the board game cafes or the different cons that are in the area. Um, you know, uh, Eric Lang is probably the biggest one. He was um, there last weekend. I saw him. Well, yeah, I'm sure he was. I, I didn't yeah. say hello to him. I, saw, I was playing a, a So My game and I was like, I was going to call out to him, but I'm sure he was just wandering. He wasn't in a hurry. But I was like, oh, so I might message him saying I missed you. But uh, quickly, briefly on that though, uh, Stephen Feld, met him last year, same height as me. I'm very tall, very muscular back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but equally, yeah, my, my top four games are light games so uh, as much as I like heavy games and something like I said I highly rate my heavy games and whilst that means obviously the other lighter games I've had some bad lighter game experiences or they're not mm. so good but Canizia like Strozzi I like to play again as a six talk about Quest for Eldorado uh, and I think is it Erica Boyoris is she based in Toronto yep. and... yeah she's in the Toronto area I think she's in Toronto uh, Christopher Chung, who did Lanterns. Um, oh, really? Cool, from Renegades and Pegasus um, Spieler. Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. I'm Sen think, that's the one I was trying to name, Sen. Yes, yeah, so Sen is the yeah. first name I was going to say, but I, I've never played it. I have played one of his games, actually. Uh, but Erica, uh, I messaged the other week because um, there's the, the Dology podcast, which I was going to appear on, wanted to appear on, but yeah, I haven't uh, heard anything back from them. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Daryl, Daryl Andrews. Oh, wow, from uh, Sagrada. Yep. Again, like Sen and, and Daryl, I don't think are in Toronto. They're just outside of Toronto. But I mean, incredibly active in the in the GTA area. And um, GTA? you know, I'm not a game designer, but oh, I've Grand been Toronto. to. Okay. Sorry, what? So GTA, Grand Toronto area. Yes, okay. yeah, in the GTA, great, Greater Toronto area. And so, uh, like, I like I'm not a game designer, but I've been to a lot of playtesting events at people's houses and at you know, snakes and lattes and different board game cafes. And um, these guys show up there and they play other people's games, you know, and, and they give like really thoughtful, helpful advice to, you know, some guy who took a board, you know, an hour long board game design course and is designing his first game ever. And, and they, you know, aren't, they're not harsh. They're helpful. You know, they're honest about their opinions of, of what make will make the game better. But uh, yeah, very, very impressive. It's it's a it's an interesting community to be part of because I, I don't think I've you know, I mean, the board game world is is very supportive. 
and you know you meet all kinds of people in a wide range of you know socioeconomic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and age differences and jobs and that kind of thing but the board game design community which i don't consider myself as part of except as a play tester occasionally um is is unlike anything like in terms of being supportive and helpful and just sort of free and open with the information like I, I, my wife and I uh, know Sen Sen Fung Lim, uh, quite a bit, and we've met him on a number of occasions. We've played a few of his games, and you know, I just sort of pick in his brain, like, what's it like to be a designer? How does this work? How does the publishing pitch work, and yep. that kind of thing? And you know, he he's talked to us for probably an hour about, you know, how his process for designing a game, how him and his his design partner Jay. Um, uh, pitch games and sell games and how publishers approach them and different things. And I was just blown away by, you know, just quality information. Again, yeah. I don't want to design a game. I don't, I'm not really interested in that, but if I wanted to, I know that there's a ton of people in the community locally here who, who would be willing to help and set up connections and do all kinds of things. Um, Helena Capel and Josh Capel, um, they own Kids Table Board Game. That's a Toronto-based uh, publishing. They have uh, both published games like um, Food Fighters and uh, is it Diced Veggies and Haunt the House, that kind of thing. Um, uh, a, a good friend is Stephen Sauer, who uh, published or designed uh, Perlock Homes. Oh. Uh, Mary Moriarty's no Furiarty's trail. He's gonna kill me because I got it wrong. But uh, he's he's got a, a store in the in the the Toronto area where he sells like you know oddities and Harry Potter things and all kinds of things. And uh, it's this cool store. He's I don't think he's designing as much as he was, but um, but yeah, it's it's an amazing community. We have uh, Breakout Toronto, which is a, a yearly convention. And they get about 1500 maybe a little bit more the last couple of years. Um, obviously, it was paused for, yeah. for COVID. But when they came back, I think it might have been as close to 17 or 18. I'm not really wow. sure on the numbers. But yeah, they, they do a three-day conference. Um, and uh, part of that is playtesting you know, new games. And you can bring games. They have a game library, that kind of thing, like every other con. Um, there's... Uh, tabs which is the toronto area board gaming society they do three events uh, a year um there's tons of uh board game cafes and they're always doing different kinds of events almost all of them have some sort of play testing designer night that kind of thing um yeah it's it's an amazing community i, I feel really lucky to be part of it but i have to say where you are it sounds amazing because i mean just from a travel point of view, you can, you know, get on a boat and a train and, and you go through, you know, six or seven countries in a very short period of time and yep. can go to places where, you know, like Germany, where those designers tend to not come to <laughs> to our events very much uh, here in, in North America. Um, and uh, so that, that makes me a little jealous. I would love to go there sometime, but we'll see. Yeah, so uh, yeah, this is my first back-to-back. -back. But sp speaking about Senfalun, it's interesting because 
obviously you may know they do the ludology podcast are you familiar they yep. so i've i would love to is appear on them called it? is it ludology, is that ludology yeah i listen to every episode and if you can send this to him or something about the fact that they talk about i mean they're now into the heart of the board game as opposed to the brain which is how jeffrey engelstein and obviously ryan sturm started it but for me i think based on the heart of it what i think they find very interesting to know about is the teach I don't think they've done much on that. And of course, I've done many, many, many demos of over a decade with Asmodee. I hear a lot of different things about, for example, with Scout. You may have played Scout. Uh, yeah. I, and he played deck builders. So you know where I'm going to come from. I was yep. playing with Scout and somebody like won a trick or he won the card, whatever it was. And he literally took the card and put it into his hand. I said, oh, oh, hang on. Uh, I didn't say to do that. Uh, I could have said, oh, what are you doing? But I thought, say not to do that as a better approach i'll tell you why because he said oh i've just played this card building game and i said sorry and he went oh like dominion i went oh okay i thought that's what he meant so he thought mm. of course you take it into your hand and i said right. oh no and that's where science and almost the, the robotomation of board games i.e like a computer the rules are there you go left and you go left you go right you go right the rules tell you exactly what to do uh, playing uh, Jaipur yesterday, which I think I mentioned in a video this morning I made. Basically, in that game, the back of the box says one of the options is... Uh, have you played Jaipur? Yep. So one of the options is you can take a card from the center and you can replace it. Another option is you can trade. So you trade cards from your hand and your camels with the center. Yep. However, the back of the box says trade one for one. And people in Board Game Geek are applying to my uh, query that it's one to one, but it doesn't say a minimum of two which it should do. It does say, mm. uh, in the rules, it's, it's kind of fine, but the back of the box, it's not clear. And thus, there's ambiguity. And that's where it comes to teach. And like, you can teach a game. I mean, I've seen people teach me Splendid Jewel in 25, 26 minutes, and yet I've made a 90 second video how to play it. I've been <laughs> right. taught a very cute looking game, which looks very innocuous, but actually is pretty darn complicated in terms of the, the mind levels you need to go through. And it takes about an hour to play. And it was taught to me in about 25 minutes uh, when I was demoing for two tomatoes, actually, a lesson. But actually, I was able to do a demo of it and say, here's how to play it in under five minutes because I had a meeting to get to, so I only had five minutes. And I asked the other sort of demoer how they got on it. Oh, yeah, they got it. Apparently, amongst other reasons, they understood it, it seems, is they're used to much heavier games than that. So I'm not saying it's very heavy, but it's extremely... Um, unforgiving in what you think it actually is and i've seen people drinking mm. beer on a morning and i said uh, they want to play islet the game i'm talking about and i says you're drinking beer do you want to play this game or do you want to play a, a simpler funnier game and then it's simpler funny so because it looks great but you're literally playing a card but then you need that card you need to get that card back again and you've got a hand limit and it's just really crunchy very crunchy lots of people go whoa it might be the best of the three that i played and it did sell out but I'm wondering if people just got it rather because it took longer to play, people couldn't get hold of it, so they just went, oh, I'm just going to buy the game. And again, right. it looks great. All three have great table presence. However, um, people demo games because they need to understand what it's about. And sometimes it's that one to two minutes of like, okay, you do this with this, and then you do this, and straight away you can see in their eyes, ah. And there's usually a key yeah. moment, including for myself, that you can recall why something is so effective as well. Yeah. Um, so what about your shelf of shame? I can't see any games behind you. That's absolutely fine. Do you have many that you've yet to open? What's your collection like? Your size? Have you got rid of any? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm constantly battling with uh, shelf space. That's for sure. I 
I, I'm always confused about what the number is. I think BGG tells me it's around 800 games or so. Um, but that includes expansions, right? And some of those expansions are like one card or two cards or something. So I, th I think the actual number is around four, 500, 480, something like that of actual individual games. Mm -hmm. I, I have about probably at any given time, I have about a hundred games that I'm trying to either sell or trade away or get rid of just cause they don't, you know, make the circulation in the rounds very often. But the shelf of shame is pretty high. I'd say it's easily 60 games at this moment. Um, it's just never enough time. <laughs> you know, there's there's never enough time to learn the game. And I'm always the one doing the teaching. Like my my wife doesn't like to to learn a game unless you know someone's teaching it to us or or me teaching it to her. She's my primary game player. Uh, gaming partner she she you know plays a lot of games with me in two player and um, I started a board game group uh, up here in Bob Cajun and uh, so I do a lot more teaching it's 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 not something I love but I agree with you that like, there's a real art to it um, I think I do it okay with games that I know like inside and out and I've played dozens and dozens of times it's when, you know, I haven't picked this game up for a year and a half, two years. And, you know, I, I scan through the rules a half an hour before, maybe the night before. That's when I feel like, ah, oh, you know, I wish I'd played this, you know, recently so that I can, you know, teach it better. Or, you know, I'm in the middle of explaining it and I can see on the person's face this look of, what? What are we doing? Why would we do yeah, that? Yeah, it's horrible. You know, it's like, like oh, okay, no. in the middle of my explaining it, I've clearly strayed somewhere and I don't know how to get it back on track. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely an art. Um, I have a friend who um, used to work for our local game store and um, watching that guy, you know, first recommend games for people, it was like magic. And then, you know, sitting down to explain a game, something that would take me maybe five, 10 minutes, he could do it in about two minutes and explain it really well. And I'd be like, wow, like, you know, my wife always tells me I'm wordy. I'm very wordy. I talk a lot. You know, I, I use more words than I need to. I give lots of examples like this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he was very, very succinct. And, and it was very interesting watching that kind of thing. You know, we would go to Snakes and Lattes in downtown Toronto, and those guys are fantastic. I mean, they talk amongst themselves all the time. You know, the gurus that they have there, they do, you know, sort of teach me this game, even though they know how to play it kind of thing. And and they talk amongst themselves like, oh, I have trouble explaining this part of the game and that part of the game. And it's it's a real sort of master class when someone does it well to listen to them explain a game. I do find, though, for me personally, you know, and this is probably why I teach like this, I do find that if someone explains the rules really, really quickly, I, I, I tend to lose track of what we're doing and, and why and what the incentive is um, for, for different parts of the game. So I, I don't know, there's a, it's a real balance, right? Because everybody learns differently. Some people learn by, you know, watching the the board and, and picking up the pieces and using them as examples. Like first you're going to go over here and then you're going to do this. And in this spot, you can do this. And some people just learn by, you know, auditory, like, okay, first 
we draw a card, then you're going to play this or that. It's going to have a number. And, uh, and then there's people who learn by some sort of combination of it. Um, so it's, it's a real, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like, I feel like there could be, you know, a university course in teaching games. <laughs> I know that well, there are, there are now courses on designing games. Oh, really? Yeah. So I need to get, you need to send me this because I've got a 250 pound voucher I can use towards this kind of stuff. So yeah, send me an email as to options I can do and I'll, I'll look into those. Again, I don't know if they're uh, online only or something. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't know of any that are online, but oh. um, one of the, so Scott Nicholson, he was probably oh, yeah. one of the first uh, YouTube, yeah. to, you know, reviewers. Yeah. Um, he, you know, lived in America, he was American and I want to say a few years ago, but I'm going to say it's probably now seven or eight years. I met him. He's a wonderful guy. And uh, he moved to Toronto or, well, I shouldn't say that. He moved to Ontario in the, in the, you know, in the area of Toronto. And um, I forgot why I brought him up, but he's, he's an excellent teacher. He's an interesting guy. Oh, I know why. Because we were talking about board game design courses. So he's a professor and he teaches a board game design course he teaches uh, i think some of it is like escape room because that's quite yes. popular um i went to a talk that he did at one of our cons uh the con is called proto to uh so it's like prototyping so game designers will go there with yep. their game and uh play testers will go there to play them and scott nicholson he did uh this talk about designing games and what the thought process was behind it and telling a story throughout your game and you know even the alternative markets for game designers like not just i'm going to build this game to get it published but i'm going to use it i'm going to build a game that's going to help you know a corporation train their staff in a better way you know and uh it was inspiring on a whole new level for me like i said before i'm not interested in being a board game designer but like if anybody could have convinced me scott nicholson was pretty darn close that day because it was um it was just inspirational he was just wow you know took it took a really interesting approach to to it all and you know had some really good resources and ideas for designers and you know maybe in the design world you know they know all these things but i i don't think so for me i thought i was fascinated and riveted my wife was with me and she was like i want to design a game now too of course we haven't done any of that and i you know i have really no intention but uh it it definitely inspired me and, and made me excited about it now we talked about eric lang i uh i've play tested a few of his games and that guy has <laughs> tons of games on the go like so i was going kind of once a week or once every couple of weeks and there was always a different game i think there's only one game that we played multiple times and you know he has like this little folder that he had that he you know keep all his notes in and it, it was i i so people when i'm teaching a game people will often say i don't know how you keep all the rules straight in your head that's exactly how i felt about eric lang and his games it's like not necessarily the rules but just how do you keep you know the different things you want to happen in this design separate in your head uh-huh. like you know you want to invoke this kind of experience with this game and then you want you know a lighter kind of you know friendlier approachable game with this game and then you've got this really 
you know, deeper strategic game that you've got going on. And he'll just pull it. I think we're going to play this today. We're going to play this today. It'll just be just baffling the way that, you know, game designers, especially ones that can work on three or four, in his case, I think probably a dozen games or more at the same time, that's baffling. I, I just don't understand how you're, you can juggle all of that. So, as for uh, Eric Lang, Eric M. Lang, have you played any of yeah. his games which uh, you know have come to fruition, such as uh, Bloodborne, the board game I think there is, and obviously Rising Sun and uh, Ankh and stuff like this? Have you have you played any, any of those when they're in prototype form? Yeah, I I uh, I play tested a few games that I'm not sure came out, but there's a game called Secrets that we play tested. We play tested. Um, Victorian masterminds quite a few times. That's probably the one we played the most. There was a, I think he didn't he do a Magic the Gathering kind of game. It was a trading card game of some kind that we played. Uh, we we did Rising Sun a couple of times. That was fantastic. I I wanted to buy it like the prototype right off the table. I loved it. Uh -huh. um, I didn't get to play Blood Rage. That was before I started play testing with him. Um, we play tested Ankh. That was good um not my favorite of the three i love blood rage and i love i i just admire rising sun uh we play tested the godfather oh, yeah. um which is one that i went out and bought i love that um do you get it signed yeah, what's that so did you ever get things signed or no i haven't um you know i haven't been you know because he moved away to i guess to I, you know, I'm going to probably get it wrong, but I want to say Singapore. Um, I mean, he, he did come from Singapore, I thought. And then I thought he's moved to New York now, maybe. But No, he's. I believe he's back in Toronto. Again, okay. I haven't talked to him since, you know, the whole COVID pandemic and all that kind of okay. thing. But no, he, he lived in Toronto before he moved to Singapore. And uh, he would, you know, invite people into his house and his wife would make dinner. It was really, yep. you know, a great little thing that they had going on they did it every week um and uh play test you know two or three different games and then go home um what did you ask sorry what uh was no it? was that mainly about yeah any signings any sort of yeah so no i i you know i i play tested these games and and they didn't really have any eric lang games uh besides you know battlestar galactica which he was development on oh yes um, Corey Konechka, yeah. who i have been messaging but i've never met him in person i don't know if he goes over to should be a lesson but uh yeah it was really great when he was responding back and he liked some videos i did for something or other which is cool yeah but um, i have a friend who met him down in uh in gen con i think but uh apparently he's a really neat guy um but yeah so i never got anything signed by him but i have other games that i've signed by some of the people around here i see i've seen eric a lot like at different events um i don't know i just haven't brought a game to get signed usually his his games are a little bigger to bring <laughs> so, the, so i yeah. the who was it the uh it's a blood rage i always look think it looks like a spider on the front cover you know it's obviously got the shields for blood rage oh yeah yeah it looks like a spider for some reason if you look at it a certain way it's hard not to think of it like a spider with the legs coming down if you have another Great, look at now it. that's all I'm going to see when I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, but obviously, yeah, it's been really interesting to hear. So of your Shelf of Shame games, I mean, are any of them or most of them in Shrink? Do you know what you've had the longest or the most recent Shelf of Shame 
that's been on there? Do you ever categ categorized it? Um, well, uh, the one that I just got off the shelf of shame, I just got sent to me. So I, it wasn't on the shelf of shame for, for very long. Mm -hmm. It was called Dog Park by, I think it's called Birdhouse Games. Oh, yes, I've got that. Uh, no, I've got Forever Home, which is their follow-up. Forever is the new one. It's yeah, also yeah. my shelf of shame, but I'm sure they like yeah. the uh, exposure there. <laughs> really like Dog Park. So I'm looking forward to Forever forever for home, home i think it's yeah i think that's what forever people home. say when you know yeah you're home you're gonna live in the rest of your life is kind of how they phone yeah. us i think the longest uh, a game that's been on my shelf of shame is probably aquasphere by stefan feld i haven't played it it's blue cover it looks really nice like a yellowy thing as well uh yeah no yeah. it's barely heavy but uh and the board kind of goes out kind of spider-ish actually now that you now that i think about it mm. looks fantastic and for whatever reason i just never get it out and and get it to the table and i've, I've you know kind of gone through the rules uh half of the way you know three or four different times and and never got through them and finished it um just always seems to be something that gets in the way but that one's probably the, been on my shelf of shame the longest how about you the longest has been there uh, 1600 days, I think, and that would be for my mother and my, my parents in law uh, in German, that'd be your Schwiegerelton. And it's so much, one of the games that got into board game was Your Bluffing from 1986, which was recommended for the Spiel des Jahres by Rudger Holtz. And it's a bluffing game, a bidding game, and it was implemented as uh, Your Bluffing Master or Coup Handle Master, which is how it initially translates as, which means cow trader. So I did have that game. Yeah. I since sold it. I then got it again a few times. I've actually owned the original game a few times, including the first and second edition, including the promo, which I've yet to play with. But Tom Vassell did a video about Bitter Up, which is the board game version of it. And okay. I prefer the German artwork, which is language independent anyway. And it was in the local shop where my uh, my in-laws live, uh, in the nearest village or nearest town. And it did go a reduction in price about 20 euros but i don't think they got it when it was reduced annoyingly um but i've taken it home to the uk i've still yet to play it i'm still very keen to play it i don't know if i'm going to need it because the other one's so small and compact and it's just a bunch of cards but uh you can change things a little bit as in it too so it's two to four player game as opposed to two to five or three to five i think it might be three to five as well but mm. that game is yeah 1565 days last time i checked which is more than that now <laughs> but they haven't asked about it since uh because we tend to go and hand luggage over to germany for christmas uh we generally don't fill up space taking obviously a game but it might be the case i take it over there and bring a different game back um hopefully get some chance to play it before then because it's a shame that we haven't had a chance to play it and hopefully we'll have a lot of chance to play it too so yeah how do you keep track of how many day days it's been there's a really cool website yeah. called geek buddy that I've used which okay. yeah you can chuck it in and yeah it's a, a nice thing um, equally if you open a game like Everdell could be the collection you know uh, that isn't a log play until you play it uh, so there's that factor too but sometimes you open it log a play and then you don't play it the same day so it, I don't know if you can unlog a play you sort of can I'm guessing you can but um, mm. it's handy for me to know you know when you do it there are some other apps coming out which involve AI so you don't even need to have that whole picture. It just like grabs a little bit of it and it knows what it is. And really? You can sell. That's yeah, neat. it's this Belgian company. So uh, it's not out till next year, but they're helping. I'm helping them with the development of it. So that sounds quite cool. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So nice. I have a question for you. So in 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 Canada in particular, I, I obviously have never lived in the states, so I don't know what it's like in the states. But 
from what I see of, of people talking about in the US as well as in Canada, there are not a ton of games, but there are some games that we can't get here. You know, I don't know if that's the same in the UK. Fulfillment, yeah, and distribution. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like certain versions, like you had mentioned the, the German version of that game. You know, I, I have a, f a friend who is, you know, obsessed with certain games and it's like, it has to be this certain version because yeah. the artwork is better, that kind of thing. Um, do you guys have that? Like, are, are yeah, there yeah, games yeah. you can... Yeah. So there's loads of games which, like behind me, I've got Pegasus Spiele games, or let's say some games which basically would be Stronghold, or whoever it might be over in the States. So you have regionalized uh, versions on it. So Far Away, that I mentioned, is by Catch-Up yeah. Games in France. I know, having gone to BGG, that Pandasaurus are doing it. I know that from BGG that there's going to be a German uh, distributor, which might be Pegasus Spiele, who knows. But again, you have distribution. So games like Evolution came out, obviously, in Russian first. It came out in wherever it was in Germany. Really? But then North Star Games, uh, they did the North American rights for it. Quacks of Quillenberg, Schmutzspiel, in Germany. And I think for right. us is Europe. But again, North Star had it for North America. Um, but when I say North America, it might just be for US. It might be different. Renegade do uh, Lanterns, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And so Daryl Andrews also did uh, Artemis Project. So you can see my videos to Artemis Project by the Grand Gamers Guild. Uh, Sorry, which one? Uh, the Artemis Project. So uh, the, no, that wasn't Daryl Andrews. That oh, wasn't was Daryl Adrian um, Adamescu. I thought it was those I two. Uh, don't think so. Okay. Um, I've met one of the co-designers. He's a good friend, actually. Okay. I can quickly check um, him. But I'm trying to remember the other guy. <laughs> let's just look him up, if yeah, you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's see who can find it first. Um, meanwhile, uh, crucially, yeah, for some reason or another, they just have different uh, modes in which they do it. Uh, oh, Daryl Chow. Sorry, Daryl Chow. Chow and, which I do and know Daryl Chow because Daryl I met at UK Games Expo this year um, okay. in June. So, yes, that was my, my bad for picking up on that one. Daryl's and Daryl's is what I was thinking of, but... I spoke yeah, yeah. to the great guildmaster himself, Mark Spector, at the show again, and yeah. he said about Daryl Chow, and I just thought he was talking about something else, but yeah, there we go. But of course, that's basically Alien Frontiers is a very similar game. It's slightly different. Is it really? I've never played Alien Frontiers, really like but I it. love Artemis Project. I love yeah. it. So uh, my copy's over in Germany, and I haven't got it back yet, speaking of hand luggage, so if Mark's watching this, uh, I think he's fully aware, because he wanted to send me the expansion. But, oh, it's over in Germany now. Um, but I want to try Artemis Odyssey by Bruno Feduti, who's quite a wacky yeah. designer. In kind, of, in kind of the stuff that you do in a game, like, wait! He's definitely, um, I don't know, out there a bit to a degree, like Guillotine, I think <laughs> he did, and stuff like that. Um, as opposed to Bruno Cathala, who just has really solid games, typically. Yeah. But like I said, some of these designers have played their games, including Dr. Rainer Knizia, and they're just not as... You think, oh, it's great. And even Alexander Pfister, I didn't like Oh My Goods um, or um, Isle of Sky too much, even though one of them, I think, won Spielershars, was nominated. Um, so every game you play, it does vary a bit. Um, you did, so you didn't like Oh My Goods? I love Port Royal. Port Royal's in my top five of all time, oh, but it's okay. a different game. Uh, it's so good, Port Royal. I think it's his favorite game as well, based on the fact it's the only game that he's got in his collection on his like, top five. I haven't tried muting this one, I'm coughing for a second. I don't know if you heard that, and I don't know if nope. you caught. It <laughs> might have, it might have it might have caught it on the video and on the recording. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, we're probably going to run out of disk drive space because I know that's happened in the past. So hopefully that doesn't kick out. 
Um, but no, I was keen to know uh, as a final kind of thoughts and stuff. Do you have um, any games you've you've got pre-ordered? Any games you're expecting to arrive? Anything in your basket? Anything that you're looking to play? Got lined up the next few days and weeks and stuff. I've got a few th- games on uh, on hold. Like so, I, I order. I order from the different stores in the area, but Board Game Bliss is the store that I tend to order from the most, and they will hold your order. And uh, what have I got there? I've got an expansion for Merlin, which is one of my latest obsessions. My wife and I have been playing that quite a bit. Haven't played it yet. Stefan Feld, I believe. Queen Games, I think. Yep, exactly. So we just had the base game, and we liked it so much, but felt like there could be more and so i put one of the expansions uh in my cart and bought it and i'm going to get that shipped soon um we played oh geez what is it called cat cat in the box cat oh in the box. cat in the box the by yeah. bezier you've probably got the bezier edition as opposed to the uh hobby world japan sorry hobby japan version sorry hobby world is a, is a russian publisher yep yeah, I uh, we played that for the first time, I don't know, a couple of months ago and loved it. So that's mm-hmm. waiting for me to get it shipped or go pick it up. Um, there was something else that was kind of new and exciting that I can't remember at the moment. Like I said, I, I'm, I've got that bad memory. I've got to look it up. You know, I, I've got lists everywhere of things that I'm working on and doing and stuff. <laughs> I And then, you know, I've got my phone too, which is around here somewhere. And I'm always making lists on that. It's, yeah, I don't know. As you get older, your brain works a little differently and I have to write things down. I can't remember things quite the well, as well as I used to. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Sorry, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, so any games that you think you particularly do well at or bad at? Oh, uh... well, I'm bad at all games. <laughs> I don't know if there's any game worst. that I'm particularly good at. I, you know, I don't really play to win. I play to, to be honest, I play for the relationships. I play to meet new people, to get to know the people that, um, you know, that want to play games with us and uh, to be with my friends. Um, I never really think about winning. The only time I get, I guess you could say, upset is when I made a bad mistake. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm in first place or last place. And, you know, it's usually like right after you've, your turn's over. It's like, oh, why did I do that? That's so dumb. I overpaid for this and I should have bought that and da 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 whatever the game is. Um, and that's really the only time that, you know, I get frustrated about playing a game because I, I really... I don't care about winning. I've been keeping track of my stats for, I guess, about 10 years. I don't know. And um, I just recently started marking down who wins. I I use uh, BG Stats as the app that I use. And, uh, you know, I was looking at a friend who was showing me his his BG Stats. And he was like, oh, look, you won this game every time we played it. And I was like, really? Really? I had no idea and I was kind of curious. So I thought, oh, I'll start putting in scores. But even now I don't put in, I don't put in every score that we play. It's, it's, I don't know. It just becomes tedious at some point. I, I prefer the data to be how many, like not, not so much how many games, although that's interesting too, but yeah. how many times I've played each individual game. Like, you know, like we've played Quirkle like 87 times or Blimey. something like that. Something Female like that. Designer. So it's like, What's that? Sorry, female designer there. Call out to female yeah. designer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I like that kind of information because it's like, wow, you know, I like Quirkle. I really like Quirkle. My yeah. wife likes Quirkle. We do play it a lot, but I never would have pictured it as one of my top three games that we played the most or something like that. And uh, yeah, so that kind of information just makes me surprised sometimes. It's like, oh, I love that game. We've only played it like seven times that, you know, and, and we got to play that more often kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. It's interesting because even like Port Royal, I think I've passed 200 plays of that now. So, wow. Uh, yeah, they love it. Again, it does depend on some games. Obviously, Physicals you can't play because it takes a lot longer compared to obviously shorter sure, games. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I even include, you know, the color I played at, who went first, who went really? third. I yeah, include obviously the time it takes, the location uh loads of other stuff as well like you know wow. was there a tie break and what happened on the tie break or you know who played which character maybe uh loads of stuff which is completely useless typically but people say no this is really useful at times so i know yeah. i've played every fate in legends of andor and such like that so it's handy to know well, and equally cool. with everdell i i don't know if it's gonna be relevant there but of course i'll make sure i know which expansion i'm using and such like so right yeah really yeah. interesting yeah, that's that's cool. I like that. I admire that commitment. That's for sure. I just don't have it in me. I think to to put in all those information, all that information, and um, yeah, it just takes time, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. I I find that if I can write down uh, the date, where we played it, who I played it with, and the scores, I I've taken up enough time <laughs> for the game itself. So that's about yeah. all that I keep track of. Well. Speaking of time, obviously, uh, this has been great to chat. I'm happy to speak to you off the recording as well. But uh, it be very fascinating to hear, obviously, uh, obviously what a Torontoer, an Ontarian, has provided to me. And uh, obviously look forward to speaking again soon. Maybe there's a chance to speak, uh, obviously, on your podcast and about whatever topic you might want to bring up in time with yourself and Matt, uh, or just sure. yourself, whoever. So, um, yeah. yeah, obviously, I'll, I'll end that now, but I'll have a quick chance to chat. So... Uh, for now, obviously, back to the table.